We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by the Field of 68. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by Mike Farmer, and we've got quite a bit of Illini basketball to talk about here as we head into Thanksgiving break. Illinois played three games this week. They just finished their third game of the week about 30 minutes ago as we record this. Obviously a big one earlier in the week against Marquette at the State Farm Center. We'll get into all of that. We're going to get into some player analysis through the first five games of the season and, and talk about some of the struggles here, especially on the offensive side that we've seen from the Illini so far. But first off, Mike, how you doing? How has the start of your Thanksgiving break gone? Uh, it's been good. Just finished watching the Illinois versus Southern game. Ended up being a bit of a beatdown, which was good to see after the, the struggle against uh, – uh, who was it? Valpo, on, Valpo yeah. a couple days ago. Yeah, that wasn't pretty, but we got the win tonight, so I'm feeling good. It is a great, honestly, it's it's the perfect way to start your Thanksgiving break is Friday night, watch Illinois be down seven at half to Valpo in basketball. <laughs> Saturday, watch the football team choke away a lead in Iowa City and lose that game. And then Sunday, watch them turn it over 22 times against Southern. I, I wouldn't want it any other way, to be honest with you, but uh yeah, and let's get the into Bears. Uh, yeah, well, completely choke a game. Luckily, I I'm not a Bears fan, but uh, I feel uh, pretty much everyone I know is a Bears fan, so I still feel the the pain of the Bears fan base. But uh, yeah, let's talk some Illini hoops here. I think the game everyone wants to hear about is the one that happened first this week back on Tuesday. We spent a lot of last episode previewing it. Huge game hosting number four Marquette. At the State Farm Center, Illinois was competitive in this game the whole way. Uh, it was a, a high-level, high-intensity game, awesome atmosphere there at State Farm Center. Illinois was down five at halftime, took a lead in the second half at one point, but at the end of the day, Marquette was able to pull away 71-64. Tyler Kolick had 23 points in that game and was the best player on the court. Illinois didn't have an answer for him. Marquette was able to come in and get a win and the the story of this one for illinois they made two shots in the final 12 minutes of the game two for their last 16 shots or final eight minutes not 12. two two shots in the final eight minutes of the game made two of their last 16 shots and marquette was able to escape with a win what did you make of the way that finished uh how that game played out overall how concerning was the end of the game for illinois uh, the ending, for sure, it's a concern. I think the offensive struggles towards the end of the game, kind of a result of the lack of point guard play, the lack of uh, just a functioning offense, really. It wasn't pretty to see. I think throughout the game, the offense was like, it was decent. It wasn't totally a disaster the entire game. Obviously, we lost by seven points in the end. Uh, obviously, there had to be some good offense there at some points. Point guard's still an issue. Like, turnovers are, are an issue. You see... Uh, I think Illinois had 15 turnovers. Marquette maybe had eight. So we've got two times the amount as them. Probably not going to win games that way. Uh, they're getting fast break layups off our turnovers. They're getting steals, leading to threes and stuff in the transition towards the end of the game. Uh, it's not not pretty to see. Uh, and then the offense, just not really making shots. I think maybe 11 for 33 from three. Still just chucking threes the entire game. Uh, we saw a bit less threes tonight for the Southern game, which was good to see. But yeah, just uh, pretty inconsistent shooting. I think free throw shooting was a bit better towards the end of the game, which is good to see. 
that's one of the aspects that they need to improve upon still even a couple of days later after two more games. Uh, just I think overall, they're 58% as a team so far this year. <laughs> that's just uh, not pretty. That's brutal. That is the one game you want, do want to have good free throw shooting in, though, so I guess they did that. Still, three-point shooting, shoot, three shooting is an issue. Uh, turnovers are still a concern. Just a lack of a functioning offense, really. Just possessions ending in chucked threes towards the end of the shot clock. You're just not winning games that way. So a lot to work on. Still got a couple more uh, easier games to work on that. Get some guys into the rotation, see who's clicking, see who's not. So it's not the end of the world that we lost, but uh, also not a totally encouraging game. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think there's kind of two ways to look at it. This is a really, really good Marquette team who is top five in the country. They come in and it was a Illinois was never out of this game. Illinois was, you know, in the game late, had chances to win late, ultimately couldn't get it done. So, you know, you don't necessarily want to come out of this game and be all doom and gloom about it because you went toe to toe with one of the better teams in America the same time you miss an opportunity with a team coming into your building a chance to make a real statement in a game that counts um, unlike the Kansas game and one that would actually give you some credibility and some confidence and uh, and just the execution late in the game it felt like Illinois had a chance to take that game especially when they made a run in the second half and took a lead uh, I think it was 48-45 they had a lead caused Marquette to take a timeout midway through the second half and it felt like there's their opportunity to, to win this basketball game. Couldn't ultimately get it done. So, you know, it's hard to come out of this and, you know, be just so negative about it because I think you did compete with a really good team. But offensively, I just can't can't get past what I saw late in that game offensively because it was just so frustrating to see. Really poor decision-making, really bad turnovers at times in the game the shot selection just wasn't great at times late in that game felt like they were settling for a lot like you said and it just looked night and day the two sides when you come down in a really tight game close it felt like when Marquette brought the ball down the court you were pretty confident it was going to end in a quality possession especially if it was in Tyler Kolek's hands and you put him in a pick and roll and you let him make a play when Illinois brought it down the court, it didn't feel that way at all. You weren't confident. You had no idea what was going to happen. You didn't know who was going to be your primary creator on a given possession. And that's a problem. You're going to play in a lot of close games, a lot of games where you're going to need really quality offensive possessions late to win a game. And Illinois so far in one game against a high major opponent brutally failed at that at that specific thing and in terms of offense and and getting good possessions late in the game and you know Terrence Shannon made a couple plays and like one of the two buckets that they made in the final eight minutes was Terrence Shannon bailing them out on a three like there was just not a lot of quality looks coming late in that game and I I totally agree with you in that it really did resurface the point guard concerns because Illinois just didn't have a point guard on the court. They didn't have a Tyler Kolick that they could give the basketball to and he could create offense. And I'm not asking them to have one of the best point guards in the country. I get that, that you're playing a guy that is might win the Bob Cousy Award this year. I'm not saying you need to have that level of guy, but have anybody, have anybody that you can trust with the ball in their hands to make decisions. I thought the, the veterans, Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, had a couple brutal decisions late in that game and it's just you're putting too much on their plate you need a guy that can really put them in positions to score Illinois doesn't have that guy and that's what really stood out to me late in the game and it's something that they have to correct and you're not necessarily going to get to correct it against teams like Valpo and Southern and Western Illinois you're going to have to wait till December and some of these other games and these issues are going to pop up again but you know, I, it wasn't all negative on Tuesday night, but really the late game offense is a big concern for me. And that's something that they're going to have to continue to work through. Yeah, I think the reason I'm slightly more like pessimistic about the result of that game, especially the late game results, it's because it's exactly what we saw last year. Like you look at yep. games like Purdue at Purdue, you get back in the game and then the last couple possessions of the game, you just fall apart. You're chucking threes for no reason. Same thing happens like I think it was at Maryland maybe we just have terrible possessions at the end. I think at Iowa maybe Iowa like the Penn State games like you get back in a game maybe you have a nice comeback. You maybe you're sticking with a really good team throughout the game and then late game is just like the same thing over and over again. You take the whole shot clock, 
you end up with a contested three, a contested like layup, whatever it is. It's just not fun to see. And it's the thing that we didn't address in the transfer portal. And you can't really address it with freshmen, obviously, but still like you don't grow, you don't go grab Ray J Dennis, who could be a guy that could facilitate an offense the whole 40 minutes. And especially in the late game, maybe you look for a guy like Terrence to kind of step up late game and take control of the offense, but he just hasn't really proved he can do that. Besides a couple of games, like uh, the Michigan home game, he kind of took over last year. That was really good to see. And that was one of our like marquee wins on the year. But then the other 10, 15 quad one opportunities, it's like it's a ghost town in terms of who's running the offense uh, towards the end of the game, who's making clutch shots. It switched off every game. And just overall, the consistency wasn't there at all. Yeah, I mean, I think Terrence is capable of going and making plays offensively and being a go-to scorer, but you're just asking too much of the guy when you're asking him to also be your point guard and a guy that's really doing everything for you and you put it in his hands and you're trying to make him create offense out of nothing. I think that's when he can really get sped up and he can really make some poor decisions. I think you saw that late in the Marquette game where I thought he played overall a pretty good game, but you saw late in the game there was a couple a couple plays where it just felt like he was moving too fast. He was sped up. He wasn't in a rhythm. He wasn't under control. And that was really because they didn't have a guy that could get him into a possession and get him the basketball off a dribble handoff or in space trying to get to the basket. He's trying to create, and that's just not what you want him to do. You want him to play on the wing, and you want to create for him. You don't want to ask him to always have to create. And that's what, you know, that's what a point guard would do really well. If you paired a point guard next to him, you don't have that. And, uh, and yeah, I think we can safely say, and we'll kind of talk about him individually later. Cause I don't, I don't think he's been all that bad, but I think we can safely say that Ty Rogers just isn't a point guard. Like, you know, he's not a bad player. He hasn't been bad. He just isn't a point guard. Like, like we've been told that he is. And I, you know, it's not really his fault. I don't think that's his natural position, but they just don't have a guy that, that they can, that can step up and into that role late in games. And, you know, I, I think coming down the stretch in this one, it just felt like for as steady and as, as good of just, you know, I, I don't know how I want to word this necessarily, but you think back to the Kansas game and coming down the stretch in that game. And it felt like you had all that experience on the court and guys are just making the right play. And you had a lot of steadiness there and you knew what you were getting. And in this Marquette game, it felt like we just didn't see that. And I think it's difficult to, I think it's just, it's really difficult for a team to have a lot of offensive success. If you're just asking guys to do things they're not comfortable with. And I think you have a lot of that on this team right now. Like I think, for as bad as Coleman Hawkins played in this game, I don't want to be, I don't want to just completely go to town on him because I think that they're asking him to do so much for their offense and, and he shouldn't have to do that much. And yeah, a lot of it resulted in him making a lot of really poor decisions and certain things that you just, we've seen at times with Coleman, but like, you got to take some pressure off the guy at times. You can't hand him the ball, let them trap him and then ask him to go create something out of nothing. And that for me is what this team's really going to have to work through as they go through the season. And I think my biggest concern coming out of this game is just the fact that I don't have a lot of confidence in a tight game for Illinois right now. Like if Illinois goes and into Tennessee or they're playing Florida Atlantic in a couple weeks here, and we got a late game situation where those teams have high level guards that can get them into things that can make plays like Illinois. I just don't have that confidence in them at this point. And I just, yeah, it's, it was frustrating to, to watch that because it felt like the game just continued to slip out of your reach because you just couldn't put a quality possession together and guys were trying to do too much. And that's really what the story was is guys trying to do too much that entire way down that entire way down the stretch of the game. And that's just something's got to, got to give there. And I, I think maybe it is just a situation where you give it to your best players and let them try to make plays for you. But, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe you know maybe it's something with Brad Underwood and that. Maybe scheme some things up better. Maybe try to actually get into more sets as opposed to this free free flowing offense where you're relying on your players. 
I don't know. It, it, something's got to give there. You got to find ways to get quality possessions late in a game. And obviously this is just one game and, and the other four games we've seen have been against mid to low major teams, but wasn't a good start. Wasn't a good start in that front. And a lot of the concerns that we had preseason played out late in this game. Yeah, obviously it's, it's one game. We're going to have a ton of more, ton more quad one opportunities, a bunch of games against high major teams where we'll be in late game situations. Hopefully you see improvement on this type of stuff. Maybe you don't, maybe you do. It's going to be a pretty crucial come March and come like the end of big 10 play, big 10 tournament, that type of stuff. But back to your point about Coleman Hawkins doing too much. I know a lot of people are talking about the Coleman Hawkins, five turnovers. Terrence Shannon had five turnovers also. This might be, this might be a stupid take, but why is Coleman Hawkins even in position to have five turnovers? Like I know he's super versatile, like the offense is running through him. I know it's because we don't have a point guard, but like your six eleven forward big man probably should not be in position to even have five turnovers. Like I know the offense is running through him, but just let the man like he's like you're saying he's doing too much, and I maybe that's why he's playing uh, so poorly at the start of the season. Maybe it's because of his injury as well. We don't really know too much about that knee injury, but he sat out the last two games. So there's a lot of things uh, going through his head. I'm sure coming back from potentially being an NBA draft pick last season. Maybe he's trying to do too much, trying to impress the scouts too much. But I think he's got to tone it down a little bit, just get out of his head a little bit. Uh, And I think he'll start improving eventually. He's got a couple more bye games and then some big games and then uh, Big Ten play comes around. I think he'll figure it out. He's had rough stretches before, but I'm sure he'll be fine in the end. Yeah, I mean, he just simply needs to be better in pretty much every facet. Uh, I, I think I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say that he's not going to show up the rest of the season because I think that that would be silly. I think yeah. that we've seen a, a good enough sample size from him of him playing really well and being a big reason why Illinois wins some big games for me to really panic about the way that he started the season, but he's been terrible so far. I mean, that's just the way that it, it's just what, what it's been for him. And it just, it feels like he's been really emotional out there. Like he just, he's in his head a little bit, like you said, like he just, he isn't playing under control and he's, he's playing way too fast and he's doing way too much. And he's just not playing the basketball that we're used to him playing where he is, pretty uh, he's a connector for this offense and he is making a lot of really good decisions and you feel comfortable running things through him and he is going to look to score like he hasn't looked to score at all I mean he had his high end points so far in his first three games is five this year like he's he's not scoring for you at all and I think the decision making has been questionable I don't think he's been his best self defensively where he can normally hang his hat like he there's been some situations where he really hasn't looked good on defense and he I feel like that's he just right now he's got to get whatever it is his act together like he's just he's too emotional out there something's going on where he's just not in the right headspace to be what you know that he can be for this team and i think the key for this illinois team, like this illinois team is not going to be good unless he's good it's just the way it is like you can't have him no show three games in a row to start your season and expect to be impressive in those three games like he's such a key for this team he needs to be locked in he needs to be at his best otherwise Illinois really has no hope I think I still think that that's coming now it'll be interesting to see what comes of this knee injury that's forced him out of the last two games I'd assume it's nothing all that serious he played with a brace on Tuesday so it's something he's probably been dealing with for a while trying to buy him some time here in these bye games before they end up going on that December stretch but the fact of the matter is that he's just got to be better all around. This is a guy that came back, was a potential NBA draft pick. And if NBA scouts have watched him play these first three games, they're dropping him on the draft boards because he just hasn't looked good at all. And so he needs to find a way to really build some of that consistency and just he can't no-show like this in a big game like he did. And he had his moments in the second half. I thought he had a couple big defensive plays in the second half. He didn't, it wasn't all horrible, but – in the key moments of the game, he was really poor in the first half. And then down the stretch, it felt like he missed some open looks and had a couple costly turnovers. He's just got to be better for this team to be good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And you saw during that Marquette game, uh, that early second half stretch where we took the lead kind of looked like we we were in control of that game. That was by far his best stretch of the game, maybe the best stretch of of his whole season. Yep. It just goes to show how much, like, how important he is to this team how he's doing stuff on the defensive end, maybe getting a rebound, pushing it in transition. It's leading to opportunities for guys. It's leading to buckets. Uh, it just goes to show how important he is, really. And even you look at the first half of the Valpo game a couple of days ago, we give up 45 points in the first half to Valpo. I know you said he hasn't been his best self defensively, but it, it goes to show how important he is on the defensive end. Like, yeah. guys are just getting to the lane at will uh, on Valpo. Like, tough finishes, wide open threes, whatever it was. It was crazy to see how impactful he was on defense when he's not out there, especially. Yeah, I, I just I think he's got to find a way to to be a lot better for this team. I do want to hit on some things. Well, first off, I do want to talk a little bit about really one of the big reasons that they lost the game is because they just could not stop Marquette's point guard, Tyler Kolek. He came into the game. It's, it was questionable leading up to the game whether he's even going to play with an ankle injury he comes in there and you would never know that he had hurt his ankle at all. I mean, he was, he was phenomenal in the game. And honestly, I was surprised at just how little resistance Illinois had for him at times in that game, because I looked at this matchup and I thought Illinois, you know, the way that their lineup is constructed, it's definitely going to pose some concerns offensively, but against a guy like Kolek who, is going to try to slow the pace down and try to penetrate and really collapse your defense and really uh, try to play make. Like I thought this was a pretty good matchup for Illinois in terms of trying to slow him down and they could not keep him out of the paint at all. I mean, he broke Illinois down countless times with his dribble penetration. Illinois could not stay in front of him. Illinois was terrible defending that empty side pick and roll with him and Igadaro. I mean, they were, they couldn't stop it. It was an unstoppable play when they went to it and it was pretty frustrating. Now, a lot of it I think is just, that's a heck of a player. You tip your cap because he's really good, but I was surprised at how bad, you know, I don't think, Overall in this game, you hold it one of the best offenses in college basketball to 71. You had a stretch in the second half where they could barely score. I don't think the defense is the reason you lost this game. I thought they overall were solid defensively, but man, Kolek dominated this team. And that was really the big reason you lost is because he just kept making plays while you couldn't respond. Yeah, he got whatever he wanted pretty much from start to finish in that game. Finished with 24 points and a couple assists. I was shocked to see, like, we were switching a lot. I think that caused some mismatches in terms of who was guarding Kolek. I was seeing Damask on Kolek, and that is just – I was sick to my stomach seeing that. Yeah. No offense to Damask, but uh, I wanted to see more Ty Rogers on Kolek. We saw it a little bit, and I think he did a pretty decent job comparatively to the other guys. I think Terrence Shannon kind of – he slowed down Cam Jones a little bit. He did a decent job there. But overall, Kolek was getting to the lane like, like pretty like pretty much nobody was guarding him. It's what it looked like. Uh, he was making most of his layups. Nobody in the paint was really slowing him down either. Once he got there, 
I think he hit a couple threes too. Just overall, not really encouraging to see. Like we've seen the past couple of years that bigger guards have been a huge issue for Illinois defense, like Jalen Pickett and some other guys like Sensabaugh in Ohio State a couple of years ago, guys like that. He's not really that exact mold. I know he's a point guard, but like we see these reoccurring issues from year to year with Brad Underwood teams and they just they don't seem to get fixed, whether it's free throw shooting, guarding bigger guards like Kolak and these other guys. Uh, the past couple of years, three-point shooting, lack of a point guard. It's going to be interesting to see. I, like you said, Kolek's probably the best point guard in the country. He's going to be an All-American without a doubt. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the country. He's so fun to watch. But uh, probably one of the best guys you're going to face this year, but still not encouraging to see if you're looking to go on a, a March run, a Big Ten tournament run, because you're going to be playing guys of that caliber, and you're going to have to find a way to slow them down at some point. Yeah, man, you look at this roster, and that shouldn't be a weakness. Like, defending bigger yeah. guards and point-of-attack defense, like, that should not be a weakness of this lineup, especially if you are going to go with the lineup where you have Ty Rogers guarding guards and you have Terrence Shannon and the like. I agree with you. I was shocked at how much Damask was on Kolick, especially after he had started, like, cooking early, and Damask yeah. was still on him. I know. I mean, I know Terrence Shannon was on him a bit more in the second half. They switched Shannon on him, and they had Rodgers guarding him at times. But, man, like, you just – you that's the matchup that you have to win defensively. And if other guys are going to beat you, other guys are going to beat you. But especially early when it was clear that he was not very hobbled by the ankle and that he was getting dribble penetration at will, you need to find a guy that can slow that down and that can get into his grill a little bit and stop him and make somebody else beat you. And it just felt like and the biggest plays of the game. Now, I know late in the game, Cam Jones had a couple big plays, and it, it, Kolek actually wasn't involved in the biggest possessions down the stretch of the game, but you dug yourself into too big of a hole early with how good Kolek was, and I didn't think that they really responded. And, and the, these guys that I think are really good individual defenders, maybe it is a case of just he's really good, and the pace that he plays with is just – it's hard to keep up with. And – um and yeah, it was that was a big reason why Illinois was was in position to lose the game. He was the best player on the court, um, and usually when you got the best player in the court, you're going to win more oftentimes than not. Um, before we move on here, I do want to hit on a you know a couple of the positive things that happened in this game. One of which was Luke Goody was great. Uh, he was really good. He was much needed offense for this team, knocking four threes down, came in off the bench. Seemed like all of his shots that he hit were so big because it was right in the middle when it felt like oh. Illinois is in one of these offensive lulls. They don't have any identity here on the offensive end right now. They just got to find a way to score, and Luke Goody made a three for him. Marcus Damask as well had his best game of the season. He's been up and down so far, but in the biggest game he showed up and showed that the uh, the adjustment from the Missouri Valley to playing number four Marquette was uh, was not too much for him to handle. He had a heck of a game offensively. I did think he wasn't great on the defensive end, but offensively he was really good. 18 points, 6 of 13 shooting. He made three threes and and Terrence Shannon got his 21 was obviously we talk about we talked about a couple of the poor decisions he made late, but uh I mean that would those were really the three guys. That would, those three guys were your whole offense. But I thought it was it was good to see two guys in Damask and Goody who I think are going to be huge, especially when they're making shots for you. That's kind of the the savior of your offense when this team's going to break down and they're going to break down offensively quite often. I think we've made that clear already. There's going to be some rough patches offensively for this team. But one way to get yourself out of that is to have a couple guys who can just make some big shots for you. I thought that's what Damask and Goody did in this game. Yeah, Luke Goody was crucial in that game. He had that three at the end of the first half that I think it cut it to four or five-point lead for Marquette going into the break. Uh, just overall, he's been great this year. I think an yeah. underrated part of his game this year has been his rebounding. He is crashing the glass. I don't know if people have noticed it, but he is attacking the boards and getting it, getting the ball into transition. And, of course, he's shooting probably 50% from three, just pretty much making everything. And then Damask was uh, – should have seen the Marcus Damask game coming considering he's from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he looks great on offense, obviously not, not great defensively, which you're not really, I'd rather have him looking great on offense, especially if the offense is struggling, uh, like you said, but he's, he can be a three level scorer for us. Like you said, he hit threes. I think he had three or four threes that game. 
he's had a nice mid-range game to start this year. Like that uh, little mid-range fadeaway turnaround shot has been, he's probably hitting, hitting that at like 75%, it seems like. Uh, and then he can get to the bucket a little bit as well. And then Terrence Shannon, he's he's obligated to get his 20 per game, it seems like, this year. He didn't shoot particularly well, but still, you're going to need that 20 a game from him pretty much every night, especially if, if the offense is struggling with, with guys like Coleman and other guys. Uh, Quincy Garrier, I know he didn't score that game. A bit of an issue if he's a starter, but I'm not too concerned about that as a whole. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this because what I want to do on this episode is I want to kind of go through each individual player and kind of give our impressions of through five games now. We've gotten five games, four of them obviously against mid to low majors, one of them against Marquette, but um, we've gotten a sample size for all these guys now, and, and I kind of want to go through and, and talk about which guys need to step up, but also which guys we've been impressed with so far. And so here's how I want to do this. I want to go through – all the players that are solidly in the rotation. I think that's pretty obvious who those guys are, the rotation pieces for this team. And I want to kind of label them in, in kind of a five point system here. So this is how I want to do it. The top of the level, the top level is extremely impressed. This guy has blown me away so far, has surpassed my expectations. He's been awesome. Somewhat impressed. I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised by what this player has done. There's been some mistakes in there. He hasn't been phenomenal, but overall, based on what my expectations were, I'm impressed by this player. Indifferent. This guy is exactly who I thought he was. Somewhat disappointed. This guy is not living up to what I thought so far this season, but there's still been some good things in there. Extremely disappointed. This guy has not been good. We need way more from this guy if Illinois is going to be a good basketball team. Does is, is that make sense? I don't know if I did a great job explaining that, but five tiers, each guy. Let's let's start with Terrence Shannon it, Jr. Yeah. Let's start with Terrence, Terrence Shannon, Shannon Jr. Jr. Because that is, that's the best player on this team. That guy's averaging 22 points a game so far. Where does he fall uh, on the ranking system for you so far this year? Uh, I'm not going to put him at the five level. I think he's had – a couple of rough stretches. Like, I don't think he was great in the Marquette game. He got his 20 points. He was all right on defense. I'm going to put him at like that, probably a four level, 4.0. He's doing what he should be doing. He's averaging 20 a game, solid rebounds. He's not really facilitating the offense like crazy. I know we didn't expect that coming into the year, but he's doing what he should be doing. He's leading this team. I'd like to see a bit more on the defensive end. I know I saw somebody tweet. I forget who it was that tweeted. Uh, after the first half of the Valpo game when that guy had like 20-something points, Terrence came into Isaiah the locker room Stafford. and said, Isaiah Stafford, yeah. Uh, Terrence came into the locker room and said, I got this guy in the second half. And he shut him down, which is good to see. But I'd like to see that every night starting from the first half. Like, why not? I know it's a bit much to ask if he's scoring 20 a game, probably playing 35 minutes, and we're asking him to lock down the other team's best player. But he's he's a top dog. He's a fifth year senior. We got to see a bit more from him. But overall, like I said, he's having a great season so far. All right. So somewhat impressed with Terrence Shannon Jr. <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm with you there. I, I think I think there's another level that he can still get to. He hasn't had that performance, although he was very good against Southern tonight. I mean, he was about as good as you can be tonight. I don't want to downplay that, but. He hasn't had that performance where it's like, okay, that like the Kansas level performance, the UCLA yeah. level performance, the Northwestern level performance, where he's just far and away taking a game over. You can't stop him. He's going for 30 and you're not going to do anything about it. Like he hasn't had that level of game. He's been pretty consistent in the fact that he's going to have stretches in games where he's going to get downhill, get to the basket, get to the foul line. He's going to get you close to 20 every night. I think that is something that we shouldn't take for granted is that this guy is probably similarly to Io Desunmu is going to get you pretty close to 20 every single time he's out there. He's not, you know, that's not to say that he's going to look great in all those performances, but he's going to give you pretty consistent production for an offense that really needs that. Um, and he's going to be a, an all Big Ten first team level performer. But but I'm with you in that. I think that defensively, there's been really good stretches for him. And then there's been some stretches where you just want to see the focus a little bit higher on that end of the floor. And then there's been, you know, I think at times 
the biggest thing for me is that it just it, it feels like at times it takes him a while to get into a game, like especially in some of these yeah. buy games. Like it feels like he has stretches like late first half, early second half where he's locked in and he's going to take a game over. But where is that in the first 15 minutes of the game where it just feels like he's not quite into that game? Like you want him to be the guy immediately step on the floor and be a killer for you immediately. So I'd like to see that still, but in turn, if you're, if you're making an all American case for Terrence Shannon, he's already starting to build that because his numbers are very good so far. And he's gotten you three out of five, 20 point games is averaging 22 points on the season. So Terrence Shannon, I think I'm, I'm somewhat impressed by Terrence Shannon so far this year. Coleman Hawkins. This one I think is going to fall on the other end of the scale. I think this one's going to fall on the other end of the scale. Coleman Hawkins, where do you have him? uh, As much as I love him, I I don't want to – let's just be honest. It's been a 1.0 this year, maybe a 0.0. Just decent on defense. But the guy is like – he's been projected to be a first-round pick at points in his college career, and he's just – he's not anywhere close to that level or – NBA level or all Big Ten level this year, <laughs> as much as it uh, as much as it hurts to say, like he just it has not been pretty. Whether it's injury related, like you mentioned, he's maybe he's just thinking too much. Maybe Brad's got him doing too much. Whatever it is, just <laughs> pick your game up, Coleman. I don't know. I don't want to be. I don't want to just completely crap on him, but it hasn't been great so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's watched this team play would agree that he's been extremely disappointing so far. Just from a guy that, A, was outstanding in that Kansas game, and you saw we talked all about after that game how this guy's so important when he's playing like this, Illinois is going to be tough to beat, and then three consecutive games to start the year, he just hasn't been good. And, uh, and yeah, maybe part of that's injury-related, and if it is, I don't – again, I don't want to – like you said, I don't want to go too hard on him because you just don't know if that is something that he's been dealing with. But the the fact of the matter is that he has to be a lot better for this team, a lot better. And especially if you're going to ask him to be a big key cog of your offense and you're going to run stuff through him and you're going to ask him to have the ball in his hands a lot and connect to this group, like you just you can't have three consecutive stinkers from him to start the season. That just – you got to start building some consistency. And, and we know that when he's at his best, this team is their best. And it coincides with him being at his best. So far, we haven't gotten anywhere close to his best in any performance so far this year. And I think he needs to step up and be a lot better. He needs to play like a senior and he needs to play like an NBA draft pick. Because if he continues on this path, he's not getting taken in the NBA draft. We're going to be having discussions about if he's using his COVID year, if he keeps playing like this. I mean, that's just the truth. So he, I, I do think I, I, there's a lot of people in this fan base who are really soured on him. I still have a ton of faith that he is going to be really good this year, especially if he gets healthy. But, man, he really needs to be, and that's going to start here in early December. Uh, how about the, the the other returner in the starting lineup, a guy that obviously has been a big discussion point in the offseason, Ty Rogers. How do you feel about Ty Rogers' Ty performance Rogers. so far? If we're talking about, like, my preseason expectations for Ty coming into the season compared to what we've seen now, uh, I'd be in that probably two to three range considering all that, like – I didn't expect Ty to be a all big 10 player. I didn't expect him to be averaging 15 points a game, but I did expect a little bit more in terms of running an offense because like Brad Underwood has been talking for months about Ty Rogers is our point guard. Ty has improved in this aspect, this aspect, like we haven't seen too much improvement in his game compared to last season. I don't think like defensively it's a bit of the same. He's still a great rebounder, still a great athlete didn't take any strides uh, in terms of three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, really. He's still – all his buckets are uh, within, like, six feet, six feet of the hoop. Pretty much the same player we've seen from last year. I know it's just five games. It's it's mid-November. He can still improve. But ob- he is – he does have a extend, extended sample size. Like, he's playing a lot more this year compared to last year. Like, he barely played the first half of last season. So I'm, I'm, I'd probably put myself in that two to three range for Ty this year. Yeah, I think this evaluation is a little difficult because I think you have to look at it from a couple different angles. 
in terms of what we were kind of sold that Ty Rogers was going to be in that he's going to be the starting point guard of this team. And Brad Underwood said he feels great about that. That has not gone well at all. He, he just isn't yeah. a point guard, but I don't think that's his fault. I don't really think that it's really his fault that he hasn't proven himself to be a high level point guard for this team. Cause I just was so skeptical that that was going to work anyway. And it hasn't, and he really hasn't played it a whole lot. And so I don't necessarily want to put a lot of blame on the fact that, oh, Ty Rogers hasn't established himself as your point guard because I just don't really think that he's the one to blame for that. I, I think there's been some good things that he's done. Like, I think he has been very good defensively for the most part. He, he's had some really good defensive performances, good rebounder. There's been moments offensively where he's showed that physicality and that ability to get to the basket. He's had a couple really strong takes to the bucket. Free throws, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy that, you know, his sample size, I think he's taken like eight free throws or so so far, so I don't want to say that that's who he is, but at the same time, like, you could you could watch him take free throws with your eyes. It doesn't feel like he took a free throw all offseason. Like, it just, it doesn't feel like he improved that at all. I was hoping to see a much more fluid stroke from the line for him. You're right, he just is still, I'm not necessarily... I don't necessarily think I expected him to come back from the offseason and start making threes, but like it's still, he's just so limited offensively. And it feels like it is a lot similar to what he was last year. I, I think I'd probably be indifferent. I'd be about what he's done at a three range for him. Like, I don't want to blame him that he hasn't stepped up and taken over as this team's lead ball handler and point guard. It would have been nice if he did, based on the fact that that was what he was getting work in all offseason. But I think he's still done some good things, and he's still been a, a, a useful player for this team. His minutes have overall been pretty positive. But there again, you know, if this team's going to be their best self, like I think there is another level that he can get to. And I think that if he could step up and take on, I'm not asking him to be this team's 30-minute-a-game ball handler point guard averaging eight assists, but if he could look a little more competent in that role and, and develop as a playmaker and as an offensive creator a little bit, I think that'd go a long way for this team. How I about Marcus? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I think you're completely right. Like, if the team sucks this year, I'd, it's Ty Rogers should not be a scapegoat by any means. Like, he came to Illinois as a freshman uh, last year as, like, a rotational forward, and then – like 12 months later, he's the starting point guard of a top 25 team. Like he's, he should not be to blame regardless. Yep. And like you said, his minutes, they're not like completely negative or anything. He's still a positive player in a lot of aspects. Like he should not, he's not hindering the team's performance by playing 30 minutes at the point guard spot, just because he's not getting assists or running the offense. Like that is not his fault at all. Uh, I think he's still being asked to do too much at this point, considering all the circumstances. And he's still a really fun player to watch. Like, I still love Ty, but I'd still put him in that two or three range. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the guys that consistently, it feels like, brings energy out there and is going to yeah. crash the glass and is going to make a lot of those hustle plays for you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily think he's played poorly at all. I just think he hasn't been the guy that we were sold that he's supposed to be. But I question if that's really his fault or if that's more on the coaches who – Spoiler alert, it's on the coaches. It's not his fault. Um, so uh, let, let's go to uh, let's go to Marcus Damask. We talked a little bit about how he performed against Marquette. He's been a little up and down so far, I'd say. There's been a couple of these bye games where he struggled, but um, what do you make of Marcus Damask so far? Where does he land? Um, I'm thinking three, three to four range. Like, I'll, I'll put a little bit more stock into the Marquette game because in the end, that game is the most important of the five by a mile. And that was the game he was best in. He was great in the exhibition game too a couple weeks ago, but not the regular season, obviously. I think he'll have nights where he's that third option or maybe second or third option if Coleman just continues to not be great offensively. Uh, he can score from all three levels, solid on defense, you know. Uh, he'll also have nights like he's been struggling with turnovers. Like he just had miserable passes tonight, <laughs> just passes to nobody. Uh, passes deflected, like post-entry passes that were uh, disgusting. But uh, overall, I'd say three to four. Some people had him in the all-Big Ten third-team category after that exhibition game. I don't think I ever got to that category with him. I never put him up there. But he's been solid overall. I don't think you can ask too much more. 
besides a little bit more offensive consistency. But I think we'll see that once he's playing more, like he's not playing in blowouts uh, when we're beating teams in these by games by 30. I think he'll be more consistent in the Big Ten slate in a couple months. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's been up and down for sure. I, I The Marquette game, obviously, is the one that you want to focus on for most of these guys, and that was his best performance. So he stepped up in the biggest game of the year, and I think you need to acknowledge that. I do think that while I, you know, I think I, I, I would, I think the word you use there towards the end, consistency, is really the thing for him that, like, I thought I was pretty confident coming into the year that we were going to get from Damascus. It's just a consistent stat line, a consistent performer. He's going to get you 10 every night. He's going to move the ball for you. He's going to be a bit of a facilitator. He's not going to be a negative on the defensive end. I feel like that hasn't really been there. I feel like there's been a couple performances where he just has looked kind of lost. And I, like you said, I think his decision-making hasn't been great. I expected a little bit more from him in terms of like last year at Southern Illinois, he averaged three and a half assists. He was a pretty good facilitator, pretty good passer. There's been a couple instances of that. I feel like overall he's had more poor decisions than he has positive ones. I think there's been some the, – the poor turnovers have stood out a little more for him. I'd love to see him step up in that role a little bit, especially when we keep talking about how this team lacks a point guard and a primary ball handler. Like, he, they played him at point guard. He's brought the ball up at times. And so I think he could step up in that area a little bit. But I think I fall right at about a three. I'm indifferent about him so far. Like, he's – He's pretty much met what I thought he was going to be. I, I do think that there's room for some consistency there, but I think overall he's been pretty solid. There hasn't been anything that stood out that said, oh, he's losing you games, he's hurting you. So, he, you know, there, there, there's not much there for me in terms of things to complain about for him. I, I think I fall – I'm pretty indifferent about what he's given Illinois so far. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How about the final starter in the starting lineup, Quincy Guerrier? Uh, how do you feel about Quincy so far? Um, offensively decent. Like he gets to the hoop, he rebounds. I think his rebounding has been a big positive because, uh, especially in the Marquette game, like you don't have Dane in there. Coleman's struggling a bit. I think Quincy's been solid in terms of like post defense and rebounding. The shooting has been abysmal, especially three point shooting. One for 16 from three. One for 16. One for 16 is not what we expected from Quincy Garrier to start the year. I'm sure he'll get that figured out to some extent. Like a lot of these three pointers are wide open, wide open corner threes, wide open uh, from the left or right wing. And they're just absolute bricks, which is a bit disheartening. So I'll put him like, uh, I think the three range, but leaning more towards a two. He's had some solid minutes. Uh, I think rebounding has been a big positive, solid on defense, kind of like Damask. I think the, the three-point shooting is sticking out to me because he came here as a bit of a stretch four, especially in his last couple of years at Oregon. He's He's been shooting a lot more threes, and he was in, in that 35% range in terms of three-point field goal percentage, and he's just not there yet at all. Yeah, I think I, I don't want to – make this sound wrong but i i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm somewhat disappointed with carrier so far and it i don't think he's been terrible but i really just thought that he would assert himself and give you a little more offensively i feel like he hasn't given you much on the offensive end so far i mean he put up zero against marquette and he had open yeah. looks in that game and yeah one for 16 from three 
And the majority of those 16 shots have been outstanding looks, very wide open shots, shots that you really need him to make. If he's going to be your stretch four in your starting lineup all season long, like those shots have to go. He has been a really good rebounder so far, something that you've needed. I think he's been overall pretty good defensively for the most part. But man, like I, especially coming off that Kansas exhibition where he asserted himself late and he actually was like, he came into late in that game and showed himself as an offensive option, like a guy that you could give the ball to and he could create something for you and he could attack and be aggressive offensively. And we haven't seen that at all in the regular season. I think he had one double figure game. Was it Friday night or was it maybe one of the first two nights? It was, oh, it was the um, Oakland game where he came on yeah. in the second half was good offensively. Um, but Man, like, yeah, the the big goose egg against Marquette definitely stands out because he had some open looks in that game, and it just felt like he never really asserted himself in a matchup that I thought he kind of could. And, yeah, I I, I want to see more from Quincy offensively. I, he's fifth-year senior. He's a guy that's played high major basketball his whole college career. He's been a guy that can give you offense and can give you consistent offense at times, but it, the, he he didn't really do that his senior year at Oregon. And it feels like that inconsistency has kind of resurfaced here so far. Again, obviously five game sample size, but I want to see more from Quincy offensively. So I'm somewhat disappointed in the fact that he really has been kind of a no show on that end of the floor for Illinois. That's not to say he hasn't contributed with his rebounding, with his defensive effort, hasn't been horrible by any means. I don't think he's a guy that's hurting you in your lineup. He's given you good minutes at times, but man, I do think that there's a, a gear that he can get to offensively where he just needs to contribute a little bit for you. And yeah, I would like to see him make more than uh hey, what is that? Is that like eight percent of his of his threes so far this year? Seven percent. Like yeah. Six, I, yeah. Six, six. Not a mat not a on the fly math guy, but uh yeah. <laughs> I would uh, whatever it is, let's uh let's increase that percentage. All right, let's move on to the bench a little bit. Some of these guys that uh, the, the bench has been interesting because it feels like we've seen these minutes fluctuate a ton for guys. Let's start with the guy that we mentioned earlier and the in the most consistent guy off the bench so far this season for Illinois, Luke Goody. Where does Luke Goody fall for you so far? Luke Goody is without a doubt a 5.0 on my scale. I think he's been one of the most consistent players on offense three-point shooting has been phenomenal. Like he comes into games, he is hunting his shots and he is hitting them. It's not like he's hunting shots and he's just bricking wide open threes or anything. Uh, he's been decent on defense. I've seen a couple like defensive lapses, but overall solid. Uh, like we look back to that Kansas game and he had a tough matchup against KJ Adams at the three or four, whatever that was. Uh, I don't think there's going to be too many crazy defensive match matchups for him where he's a total like, total mismatch on somebody so I think he'll be fine on the defensive end this year I think he has been already and then I mean what you look for in Luke Goody is three-point shooting he's delivered that and like I mentioned earlier he's he's delivered a ton of rebounding he is he is crashing the glass like crazy I want all of you to watch it next game assuming he keeps it up uh so I've got Luke Goody at a five for sure Totally agree. He extremely impressed with what Luke Goody has done so far this year a guy that obviously didn't factor in a whole lot last year after the foot injury, but you just need his shot making desperately. This team is the, the constant narrative around this team. And for great reason is going to be the three point shooting um, a lot other than obviously the point guard issues. There's multiple offensive issues, but three point shooting is one of the foremost. And Luke Goody's the one guy that you can consistently expect is going to knock down shots. And he gets, when you get him good looks, he's going to make shots for you. A lot of those shots, especially against Marquette were really big time because you just needed somebody to spark your offense. He was there to do that by making shots and his shot making has been really impressive. He's shooting 47% from three so far this year on 30 attempts through five games at six attempts a game. I love that. I like there were times, I mean, even when he came back last year, there were times where he'd, you know, he'd play sparingly and he'd maybe take one, two shots in a game. Like 
come in and take six to seven every game. We Illinois needs that. Illinois needs that shooter to come in and really be consistent and get up six or seven a game and make a high clip of them, and he's done that so far. Let's kind of go rapid fire through the rest of these guys so we can get out of here close to an hour as possible. Dane Danger. Dane Danger is quite an interesting case so far this year. What do you make of Dane so far? Played three minutes against Marquette. Three minutes. I think because for my Marcus Damask uh, grade, I factored in the factored in the Marquette game like as more of his grade. Like so, I, I'm going to do that same for Dane. He played three minutes. I think zero points, like zero effective stats, whatever. That was really discouraging to see. I don't know. Like I still don't fully know what the cause was of that because Coleman was playing pretty poorly. Quincy did not score a single point. I know he was like a, a rough matchup. He's not a great defender, but at least give him a look. Like I know he came in, he fouled somebody right away, a bit of an issue. But like he's produced in big games last year. Uh, like I think it was the Michigan State game. He dropped like twenty and ten against some decent big men. I know Oso Igadaro is better than the Michigan State big men, but regardless, he's been solid in the in the bye games this year. He did the same last year. Like he'll dominate low mid major teams. But for my grade, I'm going uh, – if I can go 1.5, I'm going 1.5. Like, not a total train wreck of a season, but I'm. it's pretty much the same thing as last year, especially the free throw shooting, starting off 0 for 9, 0 for 10, whatever it was. Just I'm not totally encouraged by Dan this year. Yeah, I, I hate to be harsh, but, yeah, he's in the Coleman category. I've been extremely disappointed with Dane so far because, yeah, I mean, it's – he felt kind of unplayable in that Marquette game because it felt like when he did come on the floor, he looked lost and looked unplayable. Brad pulled him off, and even though Coleman was struggling, like that's just a better look in that matchup. I know he's had a couple nice games, had a really nice game tonight against Southern. But, yeah, I mean, what what you really need from Dane is to give you a different look in these high-level matchups. And if he's not going to be able to be on the court, if Brad Underwood can't trust him to play more than three minutes, that's a big issue. That's a big issue for this front court, especially if you're going to get inconsistency from Coleman. And so I think Dane's been pretty disappointing so far. And it's clear that there's some hesitancy from Brad to play him in these games. And, you know, I, I think you can argue with that if you want to, that you want to play him more. But I, at the same time, I think that there has been, some cause for concern in terms of these matchups and even saw it against Kansas as well against a guy where you could have used his size against seven, 200 Dickinson. And he just was unplayable on the defensive end. That's just the way it was. So I've been pretty disappointed with Dane. Um, Justin Harmon, Justin Harmon, a guy that has played pretty sparingly so far thoughts. Yeah, I was, I was totally wrong about my, I think I said in one of the podcasts, like Justin Harmon would be a guy that came off the bench and gave you like an offensive spark. And that is just not at all what we've seen. It's been the exact opposite, actually. Like the only time Harmon is in there really is to provide a defensive spark, be like a leader on defense, be an experienced guy late in the game, which he's done a decent job at. You're not really seeing that show up in the box score or anything. Like I, I don't think he's going to be a great scorer this year. Although we did see like the past couple of years, guys like Alfonso Plummer, Jacob Grandison, transferred to Illinois and they started off pretty terribly on offense. Like I remember Grandison being horrible in his first couple games. Plummer didn't get going until maybe five or six games in five or six games in. And then he took off scoring. I don't think we'll see that, but maybe a bit of an increase in scoring and offensive output as a whole. He's been decent. I'm gonna go probably a two. I'll probably go lower than you. <laughs> I, uh, I've been pretty, I've been extremely disappointed with Harmon. He's given you nothing so far. I mean, that's just the way it's been. He's, he's given you nothing so far. Like you just, I thought that he could be, I, I didn't necessarily think that he was going to be a guy. I was, I was surprised coming off the Kansas game that he played so much and was such a late game option for them. I didn't necessarily think that was going to continue all year, but I also didn't think he was going to be a zero for you. Like he just, he's pretty much been a zero for you so far this year. And so I, I, I think you need something from him. I think he's capable of giving you something. He's, he's got sneaky athleticism to him where he can get to the basket. He can give you some type of offense. He's going to get some open shots, which he's been up and down in terms of making those so far. 
he should be able to give you a little bit of offense off the bench. And it just feels like Brad has really gone away from him and hasn't played him very much in these games. And he's fallen down ninth, 10th in the rotation. And for a fifth year senior transfer that you brought in, I don't necessarily think that's what we expected to see this early in the season. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I'm not arguing with it at all because I do think that a guy we'll get to in a second here and a guy like Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, like, I'd rather see him play than Harmon. Like, I think he gives you more right now, and maybe Harmon can step up and give you more at some point. But for now, he's pretty buried in the rotation is what it looks like. Uh, real quick, the two freshmen we'll hit on. Actually, the three freshmen we can hit on. Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. Let, let's just I'll, – I'll throw all three to you, and you can kind of go one by one real quick here before we close it out. Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, Amani Hansberry, Nicolo Moretti. Where do you fall on those Dre- three? Uh, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, I'll say right around average. He had that one breakout game. Was it the first game of the year, Eastern Illinois? Yep. He had like 18, 20 points, which was awesome awesome to see. Other than that, hasn't really done much, which isn't shocking. He's like fifth or fourth or fifth guard in the rotation. I'm not expecting him to do too much this year, honestly. Although obviously we don't have a point guard, but we'll see. I'm not I'm not too encouraged or discouraged. Uh Hansberry, I'd say probably a three, right about what I expected. Come in, maybe get you a bucket, grab a couple rebounds. Just try not to be too much of a negative on defense. Don't turn it over. I think he's done that pretty much. He's not going to play too much against Marquette or any crazy uh, talented teams, but about what I expected. And then Moretti, he had a good good stretch tonight before he got hurt. I think he's been solid on offense. Like, I still don't think he's going to reach a point where he's the guy that comes in and runs your offense effectively for 20 minutes. I think it's going to take at least a year before he could do that. Defensively, he's still small. It's it's going to be an issue. I don't think he'll be playing much, so I'm going to go three. He's been a bit encouraging in terms of like assists and playmaking. He can get to the bucket a little bit too, but still I'm putting him right in that three range. Yeah, I mean, I think the freshman, I, I'm with you on Gibbs Lawhorn. I think I'm probably pretty indifferent about what he's done so far, right at about a three, because I do think he's shown flashes of what he can do for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I think, like you saw in the Marquette game, didn't really give you much, came in, jacked a couple threes, got pulled off the floor. You would have liked to see him give you more of an offensive spark for a team that needed it in that game. Um, but he, you know, he, there's potential there. You got to ride that potential. You got to play him and let him develop because I think he can be a key piece to this team. But I won't say that I've been super impressed with what he's done. I won't say I've been really disappointed because I think that he's given you what you've, he's, he's shown flashes in his minutes and that's all you can ask for. And the same with Hansberry, really like he's, he comes in there. He, you know, he's going to be a good rebounder. He's had a couple good offensive possessions, struggled offensively at times. Um, and defensively is still going to be a work in progress for a freshman front court piece who's, you know, who's trying to fit a role off the bench. And so I, I you know, I, I think I fall pretty indifferent on him. I will say I'm, I'm somewhat impressed with what Moretti's given you in limited minutes. Now, obviously he didn't play at all against Marquette and he's only playing against these by teams right now. And I think that's probably what you're going to see mainly, but in these two games that he's played here now, I will say he did get hurt tonight, rolled his ankle, left the game in a walking boot, so hope he's okay because I do think in these last two games this past week against Valpo and against Southern, he, he showed you what you've wanted to see out of a point guard on this roster. Like he's shown that he's the best point guard on the team. Now, I don't know. I don't think necessarily that you can expect to get away with that in these high level games, because I think he's going to get abused defensively. I think he's got some shortcomings and needs to develop quite a bit to be a, a starting caliber big 10 point guard. There's no question, but I will say in the minutes that he has given you so far, I've been somewhat impressed. I've been at about, four for him I think he's shown command of the offense he's shown that he's the best playmaker on this team in terms of his his passing ability and uh, and he feels like he's got the the best command of the offense of any lead guard on this team and he might be the only true lead guard on the team so we'll see if he can continue to develop and maybe carve out a little bit of a role for this team because I think coming into the year if you say hey Nicola Moretti's gonna give you just a little bit. He's going to carve out a little bit of a role and he's going to help you win a couple 
big games during the season, you'd say, sign me up. That's all I can ask for from him. And maybe he can do that. Um, but, uh, but that's all of them. That's all of them. And we got plenty more basketball to talk about as we go through this winter stretch. And as we approach December coming up where there's going to be some more high level games, uh, this week, it's only one game, Western Illinois, Friday night. Don't think we're going to learn a lot from that, but when we, when we are back on the show next week, we'll have a couple more games to preview. We'll actually have the first big 10 game of the season against Rutgers to preview and talk about, and we can give some more thoughts on the season so far. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, if, if you could have one thing happen, Western Illinois on Friday, the only game we're playing this week, if one thing could happen, you could draw it up. This thing is going to happen on Friday night. What would that be for you? What do you want to see? If you could see anything from any player on this team, what would that be on Friday? Uh, I would go in terms of one player, if Coleman's healthy, just have a good game, especially offensively. I know he'll be fine defensively, but offensively look for your shot. Like you did in the exhibition games, like hit some threes, get to the hoop. Of course, if he's playing and then I'm going to do one team wide thing Let's cut the assists from like 18 to 20, whatever it was these past couple games. Let's get it down to like five or six. Why not? Turnovers. Turnovers, you mean. What did I say? You said assists. Yeah, I don't don't want to cut the assists down from 20 to five. (laughs) But turnovers, I do. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, let's cut the turnovers for sure. Yeah, no, I think we're on the same wavelength. If there's one thing that could happen, Coleman Hawkins, get healthy, come back and give us your best performance of the season. Come in and knock down three threes put up five assists, be a guy that you can run offense through, come back and be healthy and and have a really good performance on Friday. That's what I'd love to see. Uh, but that should do it for us. Uh, as always, I'll give you a couple plugs. Twitter, give us a follow, at Champagne on Ice, active on Twitter. We had some tweets being fired off tonight in the Southern game because we were bored and watching that game. So if you want content like that, go ahead and follow at Champagne on Ice. You could also see our latest episodes on there. We'll be updating those when we drop our newest episodes. Make sure to subscribe right here on the Field of 68 Podcast Network YouTube for the video content of this podcast and, of course, on Apple Podcasts. And uh, still working on spotify man like i just spotify is the worst it's 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 uh, it's not it's not being very friendly to the champagne on ice podcast it has an agenda against us it doesn't want to see us succeed but we're going to power through that and hopefully get on there pretty soon um but uh but yeah that's about it for us and uh, we'll be back here next week to talk some more illinois basketball hope everybody has a great week and have a great thanksgiving everybody as well and we'll see you next week right here on the champagne on ice podcast Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.